After it was invented, the internet didn't quite turn out the way we might have hoped or expected. The more utopian visions held the idea that it would be a place of open information, accessible to all, spreading knowledge and truth, a digital democratic plaza spreading civic good. Well, we know how that turned out. While some of it is true, it came with a whole heap of caveats. Trust certainly isn't the biggest commodity to be found on the internet. But what can technology do to create more trust in a digital space? Today, we're talking about blockchain. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe it's one of those jargon words that makes you switch off. But it has real applications on the web and off it too, from international money transfers to making sure your fair trade coffee really is helping a farmer in Ecuador. In other words, it has the potential to inject a little more trust into our daily lives. I'm Dan Butler. This is Think Digital Futures. But we'll get to all of that in a moment. Right now, we're going to Piemont, here in Sydney. To the fish market, actually. You probably know Sydney Fish Market every morning uh, they have start an auction, say like at 5.30, I think, 5.30 a.m. The traders who get there at the crack of dawn work fast, checking the quality of the produce on offer. Uh, roaming around the auction floor to see, uh, to see the fish they're going to buy. Uh, they, they're going to inspect it. Uh, they're going to see it. They're going to smell it. They are going to also check the label label to see where the fish are caught and how long ago was, uh, was the fish caught. After this inspection, the auction is held. Everyone makes their bids and the winners cart their bounty off to restaurants to end up on your plate. So what does this have to do with blockchain, you might ask? Well, the Sydney fish market wanted to upgrade. The Sydney fish market wants to bring this uh, auction online. Like uh, because they want to expand the market, uh, say like they even want to expand the market to overseas. And when this going to online, then there's a problem. Then the the challenge is how can we uh, enable the online trader uh, from Japan, from China, or from uh, other places? Uh, how can they see uh, the fish? How how can they do the inspection? Uh, like, can we allow them, the online uh, uh, online trader, like, give them the same experience that, as if they are actually on the floor? We've heard about the trader's process already, seeing, smelling, touching the produce to check their quality. How can you possibly take that online? The issue is trust. How can you trust what you're seeing online? But my background and my doctoral research is all about breach of trust. And I had not heard of blockchain. I had no idea what it was. I knew what Bitcoin was, but I didn't know it was powered by this technology known as blockchain. Philip Orion is a barrister and a senior lecturer at the Australian National University's College of Law. 
A few years back, she was asked to take part in a series of workshops around technology and the law. And the media team said, this crew is saying that blockchain enables trustless relationships. And it was very funny. I actually did a search on the term trustless relationships, and the only thing that came up was um, Ashley Madison and how to organise an affair, having an affair with someone without getting caught. But of course, there was more to it than that. Philippa became very interested in the potential applications of blockchain. And then I started writing articles about it and became involved with the Standards Australia work. And since then, I've been basically making it a very big part of what I do. Okay, so let's get down to the nitty gritty. What is blockchain? It's all about storing information and trusting that information. As the name suggests, it's a chain of blocks. Each block holds information or data. Each block also has a unique identifying code and also holds the code of the next block in the chain. Every single block in the system is chained in this way. If you change any of the information in a block, that block's identifying code will also change. It now doesn't match the next block in the chain, which will still have the old identifying code. In this way, it becomes extremely difficult to change information in blocks without it being obvious. This is where the trust in the information of blockchains start. But there's another reason. Blockchain is an example of distributed ledger technology, and that does what it says on the tin. Just like a ledger in a bank tallying deposits and withdrawals, online ledgers take note of changes and inputs. But unlike a bank, there isn't just one ledger. Everyone using the system has a copy of the ledger. So even if you manage to alter the ledger to tamper with the books, your ledger now doesn't match everyone else's in the system. When information is that hard to change, you know you can trust it. It's perfect for complex international operations like a supply chain. So if you ran a supply chain and you said, we're really interested in knowing who, who is at the beginning of the supply? Is it somebody who's vulnerable, a fisherman in Senegal or a coffee grower in Colombia? Is it a community that depends upon a fair day's pay for a fair day's work? And how does the consumer in South London or a Canberra suburb or North Melbourne know that they're actually drinking the coffee that truly is fair trade? But with a very simple app, you can attach a QR code. Not You don't even need to attach it to every single bean or every bag of beans. You just need to attach it to the brand. And you could then have the visibility into every single step along that supply chain. And that is precisely what Ren and his team at UTS developed. Beginning with the actual catching of the fish, all kinds of data is collected, documenting the journey from ocean to plate. Our thinking was to allow the fishermen to use this uh, blockchain-enabled app and uh, then take a photo when, whenever the fish was caught. And then this fisherman app will record the catch origin and the catch location. An internet-enabled sensor is attached to the box the fish is transported in. Also track the uh, temperature, track the location and the time. And 
we we want to use this uh, Internet of Things technology to track where these fish go from the fishermen uh, and coming into the Sydney fish market, track the entire supply chain. An AI-powered electronic eye that analyzes the fish appearance. To see whether this fish is actually uh, kind of like a bit rotten or is that very fresh. Uh, depending on actually the color of the skin, the uh, image pattern of the eye as well. Two small tubes are attached to the box. They can suck in a small amount of air and pass it through an array of sensors. We'll um, have some chemical reaction uh, with this air that's sucked in, and then uh, we use AI technology uh, algorithm, design AI algorithm, uh, to analyze the smell. Uh, then uh, from that uh, analysis, then we can uh, give an estimate, okay, this is uh, kind of like a bit rotten or this is actually very fresh, uh, fresh smell. Each step is noted and the technology behind it means you can trust the data. And the blockchain is actually the fundamental platform underlying the entire project underlying the entire data that's that we captured and this one uh, so that to ensure the trustworthiness of the entire uh, data set. The complexity of an international supply chain is a perfect application for the trust that blockchain can engender. In a globalized world where it is increasingly difficult to know whether you're acting ethically as a consumer, it could be something of an antidote. Not only that, Casting a spotlight on the supply chain can be really helpful for those at the start of it too. Sean Apo, um, I'm the Chief Operations Officer at uh, Shared Path. So Shared Path is an Indigenous business incubator. Um, the last couple of years we've been working in the tech space to help Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities to um, upskill themselves around digital literacy and to use those skills to start businesses on country. Blockchain is one of the technologies Shared Path has helped to introduce to Indigenous communities. It's creating trust around the use of cultural practices, as well as introducing cutting-edge technology to our oldest cultures. You know, the, the more um, common uses of blockchain at the moment are if they want to set up their own fisheries business and then market that stuff, sell it to market, um, then they'll, they'll put some blockchain around what those resources are that tells the story of where and when it was caught, who it was caught by, and maybe some more cultural information about the way it was caught and um, the way that these resources have been managed over thousands and thousands of years by the local people. Sean says those sorts of applications are just the beginning and the communities he works with are excited by the possibilities. When we sit in rooms with, have a sort of broad mix of people um, from those communities, like different age groups and, and men and women, um, you can kind of see, and we've done this in other times with a, num- with a number of other um, opportunities as well, you, you see that once they get an understanding for what, um, what this technology can be used for, their minds just start racing. Oh, what else can we do with it? Oh, what if we can do this? Control over their own information is something of interest to Indigenous communities, as indeed it should be to us all. 
but data has historically and continues to be disproportionately used against Indigenous people by white authorities. Some of them are very interested in the way that they get to control their own information and um, have trusted people in their community to ratify that you know, a piece of work was done or that a, a particular piece of information um, has been agreed upon by all those people in the in the network that forms that blocks. The actual some of the actual projects that they're really interested in doing are around you know managing their um, carbon trading work, um, managing um, resources like uh, fishing stocks and uh, other natural resources that. Um, form a lot of the cultural responsibilities for some of the different groups, uh, even down to um, keeping a good uh, idea or a good record under community control of the genealogy of a lot of the family groups that come from individual Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations so that um, when people come to those communities to say, I'm a descendant of X, Y, and Z, um, then they can you know, use that genealogy to, to actually go back through and check that. Some of the projects of Indigenous communities overseas provide exciting vision of what's possible. You know, we have friends from overseas like Hawaii. They have been using blockchain and have their own cryptocurrency for the last few years. And we, um, we really, really like the kind of local community that they've been able to develop using that kind of a system um, and when we talk with when we talk with them and then when we pass that message on to other communities they're really, really interested in that similar kind of setup there are some even wider reaching applications for blockchain taking advantage of its ability to create trust where otherwise there may be none they're called peer-to-peer -peer smart contracts the peer-to-peer micropayment sharing platform allows the sort of projects that we're seeing in Western Australia that are being run by PowerLedger, where you can have communities with solar panels who are on the grid, so they're on the main supply grid and always have certainty of electricity supply, but have decided to augment that with solar panels and solar batteries that sometimes produce excess to what you want or not enough. And you could make an arrangement where you're always sharing for less than the cost of the grid. So you're always ahead and therefore paying off the panels because that initial payment's quite a, a big investment. And then you can actually have a very green solution that is cheaper than the grid, on a micro level, that's actually very resilient. And this resilience is important because if we can test it in Perth or Adelaide and get through a hot summer without people losing essential electricity services when there's an absolute blackout like we've seen in recent years, then we can take those models to remote communities that are vulnerable and need water pumps to collect water or Wi-Fi to make payments in marketplaces where actually getting payments in is an important feature of, of their, their, work, their commodities market. It's all about making the internet that bit more trustworthy. When we think about things like data breaches, Cambridge Analytica, deep fakes, and the way technology is being used now to manipulate sentiment and to scrape information about us from our presence online. So I think 
it's really important to keep in mind this sort of meta strength that blockchain is going to have in the future, particularly once we get into quantum computing. So I'm excited. That's my, my word is I'm really excited. <laughs>